Absolutely flying right through it. We start hour number three. I am Jim Rome. Two great interviews. We had Daniel Jeremiah back in hour one. We had Raheem Morris. Last hour, third hour is wide open. Again, it is a travel day for me. A little bit unique. A midweek travel day, but very important event that I'm going to attend in New York. And that is tomorrow. So I'm going to fly out later today. Be there for that tomorrow. Thursday is not a show day. It'll be a work day, but not a show day. And then I'll be back here on Friday. So if there's something you want to get to, say it to me right now. I already gave out one golden ticket for Smack Off 30. No, we do not have a date, but it is Smack Off season. Smack Off year and Smack Off season. And I already gave one out. Deion Dawkins. I don't know if he has any idea what the Smack Off is. He has an invite, though. After this incredible takedown of the Jets. You know, I said earlier that radio programmers would say, you know... You know, our research would indicate that not everybody, Rome, listens to you all three hours, as great as you are. So you might want to reset the big topics of the day. And I generally don't, because I want to make sure that there's enough content to cover all three hours. Except some things are too good not to reset. I can't remember the last thing that I reset three times in one show. But then again, I can't remember the last time I heard something this awesome. Weirdos being weird. (laughs) Weirdos being weird. You know, I don't even want to get a man no credit talking about him, you know. But number 72. Michael Clements. Michael Clements. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch boy. Um, <laughs> bitch boy. You know, I'm going to just keep it a buck. I hate them. All of them, bro. They are awesome. Like, when it comes to sports, right, there's people that play the sport because they love the sport. And then there's people that play the sport just to try to be cool. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Like, those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures. On Instagram. Like, that's whack. Like, I play this because I'll die by it. You know the irony? There, I want to defend some of the Jets that I think are the real ones. And I love Dion. Love him, love him, love him. But isn't it funny that he said, hey, man, there are guys, oh, geez, like me, that play for love of the game. I'll punch you in the face, man. I'm a good guy, but I'll punch you in the face. They got guys over there that don't play for love of the game. They play for Instagram to take pics. I love Dion. Love Dion. Full stop. But might one make the argument that that incredible takedown was, in fact, like for Instagram or some sort of social? And I don't even blame him. The content is incredible. But I'm also the demon. Simple as that. But it happened on a social media show. So what he said in and of itself in a vacuum is absolutely incredible. But part of the criticism of those guys that he hates so much that he doesn't respect is that they're playing the game for the wrong reason. Now, don't get this twisted. Do not twist this up at all. The big fella is playing the game for the right reason. And he is an OG. And he will punch you in the face. But it is kind of funny, right, that an all-time takedown, which included criticism of them playing the game for social media, occurred on a social media platform. That said, an all-time takedown. You know it's good. I've played it three times already. All right, new topic. Go ahead and react to that if you want. So, you know, I say this all the time. I do not play favorites. They pay me not to play favorites. I always say it, but it bears repeating every single time. I never have. I never will. 
You'll never find anybody in this spot as objective as I am. Why do I say that? I say that because you might hate what I say. You might disagree with what I say, but I mean what I say. I'm not saying it just to say it. I'm not saying it just to provoke somebody or something. I'm not saying it to get you to look at me. I'm saying it because I believe it. I'm saying it because I mean it. I don't root. I don't root for anybody. I don't root for anything other than something to talk about. I don't have a favorite team. Except for team content. I love that team. I truthfully have never rooted, well, for anything other than our sons when they played baseball. Our racehorses that we've owned. And my alma mater, UC Santa Barbara. Other than that, I never ever root and I don't play favorites. Except golfer Anthony Kim is one of my all-time favorites. Not one of my favorite golfers, one of my all-time favorite athletes. I love the dude. I've always loved that dude. Because I've never really seen a cat quite like him. Most of you remember him exploding onto the scene. One of those guys that you could get with and identify with and love, even if you didn't love the sport of golf. Because he had that enormous swag, that enormous personality. Remember AK showing up and just turning Sergio Garcia inside out at the Ryder Cup? Just destroying the guy, intimidating the guy? It was incredible. AK, talented as hell, brash as hell, a freaking rock star on and off the track at a young age too. Man, this guy was it. The absolute epitome of the next big thing. And then he shredded his Achilles, suffered a few other really debilitating injuries, and then just like that, he was gone. Just gone. Not only done as a player, but off the grid. Like fell off the face of the earth. Like no one had any idea where he was or what he was doing. Most assumed that he was living off the millions in disability insurance that he had taken out. Or that he had fallen out of love with the game. Or was just too busted up to play. Ask me, I would say, to answer the question, yes. Yes. All the above. I bet it was all the above. But still, how in this day and age does a guy like that just disappear altogether? Just fall off the grid altogether? But he did. Which made the dude even more mysterious. And this went on for years, not a few months, not where he was like absentee for a few months, like for over a decade. And then every once in a while, like every year or every other year, somebody would post an Anthony Kim sighting, like he was Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or a UFO or something. I'll even admit this. I, I always kept his phone number. And he would strike me as a guy that there was no way that guy kept the same phone number. I mean, not AK. I kept his phone number, and I would thumb out a quick text once or twice a year just to check in. And he would always hit me back. And I always respected the dude's privacy. Like, if you're going to say to me, hey, Rome, if you had access... Why were you not having him on the air? Because he didn't want to be on the air, clearly. He didn't want to be on the grid. He didn't want to be anywhere. So I never went at it that way, and we always had a different kind of relationship. I think that's why he returned my text. I never wanted anything from him once he left. 
I just would check in. And not often either. Maybe once a year. Maybe twice a year. Maybe if I was in the desert. I had this kind of like vibe. Like AK's around here somewhere. We used to have a house in the desert. I'd be like, I know AK's around here somewhere. I'm feeling him. Yeah, it was either that or the 42. But I would thumb out a text. And I would just hit him up. And I'd say like, hope you're well, bro. And he'd hit me back always with, all good, Rome. Hope you and the fam are all good. And then that was that. But obviously, I and many others never forgot about this dude. Never stopped thinking about this dude. And apparently, he's back. Apparently. He hasn't played professionally in nearly a dozen years, but reportedly is going to play at this week's Live Golf event in Saudi Arabia. And to me... Whatever his deal is with Liv, I'm not sure what it is. We don't know if it's for a year. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But to me, regardless of what it is, it's the most interesting thing that Liv has done to date. I'm not saying he's the best player they've signed. Far from it. Although I have no idea what he may or may not have left at 38. Maybe he's feeling great. Maybe he's been playing. Maybe he's been working up to this. I have no idea. I don't know why he's doing it even. I don't know if he's doing it because of financial reasons, golf reasons. I I don't even know. I don't even care. I'm just saying, to me personally, this is the most interesting thing that Liv has done. And the PGA was also in the bidding, apparently. I say that because he is far and away the most intriguing story and personality they have. I'd even argue in the sport. At least to me. Because I love the guy, and he's such a mystery. And I don't know where he's at. Mentally, physically, financially. I don't give a damn. I can't wait to see this dude again. So, in the meantime, while this news broke, I went running to Alvy's archive to see what we had on this legend. The last time he and I spoke on this show was 2010. I've got some sound for you from 2008 that I want to share. For instance, okay, so this is from an interview that we did in 2008. There's always been the speculation about how tough his father was on him. And keep in mind about AK, when I know about him, he, he doesn't air any of that out. He's not that guy. I mean, he's very private. Uh, hello. He disappeared for more than a decade. He's very private. That's private. But there's always been speculation about maybe how tough his old man was on him, the nature of their relationship. Personally, I have no idea what it was. I just know that AK was one of the mentally tougher dudes with an all-time swagger. And when he was right physically, this guy was tough, man. He was tough. So how tough was it growing up? I don't know. But in this 08 interview, you know, he made sure that we knew that it might have been tough, I was no country clubber growing up. I was no silver spooner growing up. But it may not be quite what people are making it out to be or were making it out to be at that time. I'm going to clarify one thing. I mean, I, I had it tougher than, than I want to say 99% of guys on tour, but it wasn't as bad as some people would think. And, and really, I, I did grow up playing more basketball than I did golf. So I, I had that attitude. I bring that attitude to the uh, golf course every day. Put my hard hat on and, and I'm ready to work. To me, it's more than uh, more than just your slant, more than course management. It's, it's how bad you want it and how bad you're going to fight. 
See, again, it was more than just course management. I actually played basketball every single day. I love basketball. He had this swagger. He had this mentality. So remember, he had this insane game. He had this insane talent. So much so that a lot of folks thought that he might be. He might be the next Tiger Woods. He did explode onto the scene with his game and his swag. He finished in a tie for second in his first pro event. It was a holy crap moment to be sure. But the question is, was it too much too soon? Was it maybe not the best thing that could have happened to him? That's something else we talked about on this show back in 08. I'm going to take the 300 grand from that tournament and be very happy about that. Um, but it, it very well could have. I came out there and once I finished second, my first one, I, I said, you know, in my mind, these guys can't play with me if I, if I just try a little bit. And, and that's, I didn't even get to that point. I didn't even try a little bit last year. And that's, that's, uh, that's when I got kicked in the, in the mouth. And I just had to get back up, clean up, and uh, get back to work. My man, thank goodness you didn't win that event. What would have happened then? <laughs> I, I promise you, we probably wouldn't be talking right now. I, I, would be, uh, I would be either doing maintenance crew at a golf course or, uh, or working at a grocery store. I don't know. You, you're starting to get a sense of why I love this guy so much. That, that he was doing this kind of interview back in 08. How real that was. So not only was he gifted, tough as hell, mentally win physically, and while he may not have always wanted to pick up his bats, he was always up for a local run somewhere. My dude loved to hoop. He loved to ball. He loved to talk ball. He loved everything about basketball. I was the only Korean kid probably within a couple miles of the park and I played quite a bit of basketball at MacArthur Park, and it was against people who were 100 pounds heavier than me and, and seven, eight inches taller than me, and I was always the youngest one there and always wanted to play. So if it was a loose ball, I was going to get it no matter what it took. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I, I was bleeding on the court or uh, missing a tooth or doing something crazy and ended up getting picked up every time. And, and I feel like that's what I'm going to do on the, on the golf course. If I hit it in the trees or – if I hit it way uh, out of place somewhere, I feel like I'm going to be able to get that ball in the hole somehow. I need to find a way to do it and, and just keep fighting. This bleep is gold, man. It is so incredible. This is what I'm talking about. When you have that mentality on the golf course, that he took that, that mentality on the golf course. I mean, you talk about mindset. You talk about a guy being utterly fearless. Even when he had nothing, he was never afraid to get down. Never afraid of action on the course. In fact, he loved it. He thrived on that action on the course. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, what that means is there was a lot of $1 bills in my bag after I got through with them. And it was just something I, that was in my blood. My, my dad taught me never to be afraid of anybody. Uh, everyone starts on an even scale. Just go ahead and grind. And I used to, you know, I used to get a couple dollars, two, three dollars from my parents to spend the day at the course. And when I do that, I walk in with 95 bucks. One, my, my parents would be pretty, pretty, pretty upset that I was gambling, but pretty stoked that I had the the courage to do it. See what I'm saying? Then a guy like this, you're hearing this right from '08, and then he just disappears for a decade. How does this guy disappear for a decade? How does nobody see this guy for a decade? And then, of course, the Tiger Woods comparisons. 
there was always going to be just one Tiger Woods, a guy who dominated that sport more than anybody else dominated theirs for years, a guy who was not only going to run down Jack Nicklaus's record for most majors ever, but blow right by it, right? It was always, who do you have, Tiger or the field? Tiger was always one of one. It seems so ridiculous to even waste time looking for the next Tiger Woods. Yet AK, man, caught lightning in a bottle. AK had that game. AK had that swagger. I mean, you could actually have a legitimate conversation about it. Was he the next big thing, and was he going to be that big? Was he the heir apparent to the cat? I said to Anthony in that interview back in 08, Everybody is waiting for somebody to push Tiger. Are you that guy? I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say that I have a long way to go. What he's done is incredible. He's obviously made a huge impact in my life. He's been very inspirational for me, and there's so much I've learned from him and so much I need to learn, but I'm willing to work. You give me that opportunity, I'd love that chance. You know, I respect him, but when we're in the ropes, uh, I'm there to win too. I love the way he started that. Like, I'm not going to say no. However, you know, I look up to him. I've learned a lot from him. He's been a met, meant a lot in my life. Like, so this is why it's self-explanatory. This is why I say I don't play favorites, but this guy's one of my all-time favorite athletes. And as private as dude was, he made himself available for this show and my other shows, and I always appreciated it. Good to spend time with you. We'll do it again soon. I appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Big fan. You know that. I mean, there's certain, even, even like tiny little exchanges like that always meant so much to me. So I've got no idea what to expect. Number one, I have no idea whether or not he thought that was a good thing that I just did or not. But I had to do it. I love the guy. I've always loved the guy. And now hearing that back all these years later, it's amazing. And the way this guy would walk around the track just like, man, my house, my freaking belt buckle. Dudes, the belt buckles, look them up. They were incredible. So I've got no idea what to expect. Don't get me wrong. Notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying my man's back. My man's going to start ripping off tournament wins and majors. I'm not saying that. I have no idea what to expect from AK in that comeback. Because again, I don't know how he is physically. I'm not sure where his head's at, where his mind's at, why he's doing it. I'm just so happy he's doing it. I'm going to manage my expectations. But if he absolutely is back, even for a brief period of time, call it nostalgia, call it a connection, call it one of the greatest, most mysterious stories ever, whatever it is, I'm here for it. With Liv, even with Liv, with PGA, whatever. I just want to see this dude, man. I want to see this dude swing the bats again. I can't wait to see how he does. If I had to sit down, if somebody said to me, hey, Rome, I need this. We need this. This is part of your job. List your top 10 favorite athletes ever. He's on that list. He's top 10. He just heard the interview. So what are your thoughts? What's your reaction? Do you believe it? What do you think it'll be like? Are you into it? Are you feeling it? You're not talking me off my stance. I'll tell you that. I love the guy, clearly. All right, when we come back, that was fun. Glad I could do that. Hey, Avi, thanks for digging deep into the archive. This year, Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech. For a limited time only, save on select 
next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more. Must-have electronics and accessories when you shop online at dell.com slash deals. You will have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Once again, that's dell.com slash deals. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. For the ones who get it done, Granger is offering supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call or click Granger.com or stop on by. All right, so whatever you want to do with it, remember, getaway day for me. I am traveling today, business tomorrow and Thursday. Then I'll be back on Friday. So if you're wondering about the beef segment on Thursday, we will do it on Friday. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to the phones. Don't hang up. And if you haven't called yet, go ahead and call. We'll take some telephone calls. Also, one more thing. I'm pushing out the Jim Rohn podcast a day early this week. Steve Mariucci, episode 303, after the program today. Look for that. One topic I didn't get to, LeBron. And I may still. LeBron lashing out over Bronny. Dropping on mock drafts is, it's one of the most LeBron things ever, man. It is so, so hypocritical. So hypocritical. Me? When he says, quote, man, let the kid be a kid. What? Dude, you're the one who pushed him out there. You're the one who's been talking about playing with him in the NBA. You did this. Let the kid be a kid? Unbelievable. I'll try and get there. Let's go to the phones first. We go to Houston. Tim in Houston. Good to have you, Tim. How are you? What up, Jim Rome? What up, Tim in Houston? (laughs) Man, I am all AK all the time. This guy, the thing that is, um, I've been on social media scouring through these different stories about what people think he was or what he is. And the problem I have is all these 20, 30-somethings that just don't know how much swag he actually brought. A belt buckle, like you said, nobody was wearing that kind of stuff. And he just didn't have any fear. He just didn't. Paul Eisinger, when he was the captain of the Ryder Cup, had all those guys in pods. And at the very last day, they got the pods, if you will, together to discuss who they should go out and win and what order. And he already knew what the order was going to be. He had a list. And he asked the players so they would have the buy-in. And he said, <clears throat> everybody said AK. He was a rookie, Jim. It's the first time that he had ever been on a team of any kind like that. And so he's going to take those luxury wrenches to the field in Jetta this weekend. And I'm all for it. And I'm really glad you reset that interview. He's just been a ghost. And, <clears throat> oh, one more thing. He went to the University of Oklahoma and the re- <clears throat> reason I mentioned this, because I did, he chose OU because he went to a football game, which, as you know, is a massive thing there. 
and it was rain the entire game, and nobody left. And he said, these people are crazy. I want some of this. I'm going to go here for school. Thanks for the time, Jim. Talk to you later. Peace. Yo, brother, that was one of the best reactions to an interview ever. Like, that made it better. That, that, you know, whenever I say, hey, trying to elevate the conversation, I know deep down you're not going to. That guy just did. He added some insight. And that's all true. Everything he said was true. It, it, when he says that there are young people right now that just don't get it and they're scouring the internet, it's true. If you didn't live it or you didn't see it, you wouldn't get it. This dude was such a different cat and had so much swagger. I don't mean for a golfer. I mean for an athlete. So much swagger. You know, that story he told about, man, I loved, love local runs, love playing basketball, love going up against guys that were 100 pounds heavier and seven inches bigger. I don't think that was that much of an exaggeration. That was not a big dude. Trust me, he played and carried himself way bigger than he was. But AKA physically is not an enormous dude. Far from it. But intimidating, man. Intimidating and confident and fearless. And nobody was rocking belt buckles like that back in the day. You know, this dude's 23 and he's got like the a- giant AK, AK blinged out belt buckle. And this is when golf was still super, super staid, rigid, zero personality. And this dude's just dominating, man, just dripping. It was such good stuff. I loved it. Hey, Rome, at least with Anthony Kim going to play on Live, he'll retain his anonymity. Sincerely, Bryson, what's his name? Phil Mickle something. And the rest of them that joined. Hefty. Tim, delivering in Door County. You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's some of the appeal. Listen, let's not be naive. It's the paycheck. I mean, obviously. Why did any of them do it? The paycheck. But the anonymity, if he wanted to be in the spotlight, he wouldn't have gone off the grid for 10 years. So there may be something to it. Hey, Snagger, loved Anthony Kim's song, Rock Me Gently. For a singer, he's a pretty good golfer. Welcome back, buddy. Tom in Colorado Springs. What a moronic, moronic take. Buddy. Dude, like, I think I knew that song when I was in fifth grade or something. What are you doing? Turn that off, Albie. I mean, that was probably a banger back then. I remember as a nine-year-old liking that song on AM radio when I used to listen to KHJ in Los Angeles. Come on, dude, don't do that. I'm talking about a super riveting, super compelling athlete who's making a return. I go into my archive, I pull out an interview from 08, and that's all you have? Hitman Canadian's in. Disappeared for a decade? Please. Shine Terrence. Please. That's fair. I'll allow that. At Abracadabra writes, freaking pumped for Anthony Kim's return. Thanks, Romy. I am too. At John Chat One writes, fake tough guy Dion. That's just what he wrote. That's the entire post. Fake 
Tough guy, Dion. Bitch boy. I mean, I don't know, dude. Actually, that's at Roy Munson. I don't know, Roy. I think he's legitimately a pretty tough guy. I mean, you're calling a six foot five, three hundred and fifty pound NFL left tackle a fake tough guy. Don't talk to my quarterback. Behind the safety of your there. keyboard. Don't say so... nothing to none of my guys. Hey, Roy, I don't know you, dude. I'm not saying you're not a tough guy. I don't know you. I'm just saying. You're saying that that guy's a fake tough guy, and you're thumbing it out. Like, the difference is, he whatever he says, he knows he has to play them next year. Twice. And you know that you can call him a fake tough guy, and you'll never have to line up against him or face him. Hey, Jim, someone asked about a smack-off play-in day. What? Okay. How about a mid-season smack-off championship? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Sign the L.A. Lakers. Pete in Youngstown. Somebody did yesterday ask, why don't you have a play-in smack-off? And I said, we already have it. Every single day that the show is on the air. Every day is a play in smack off. Dion got a ticket. He wasn't even trying. He got a ticket and didn't even call the show. What's your excuse? If I'm doling out golden tickets to people who aren't even on the show, what is your excuse if you're listening to the show? Get on the phone. Make your call. Get your golden ticket. All right, when we come back, one last segment. We're wide open. I mentioned LeBron. LeBron was really upset and even took to social. He was so upset and then deleted his posts. Bad look all the way around. Just let him be. Let the kid be. He also had this whole thing about, hey, to all you young players grinding out there, don't worry about mock drafts. They don't mean anything at all. Dude, your whole reaction to this was to a mock draft. The reason you're so furious and enraged was in response to a mock draft that left your kid off it. You know how bad it is? It was an ESPN mock draft. Nobody anywhere jocks that family like ESPN does. And even they moved Bronny a year back. Look, dude, Bronny's a good kid. In a way, it's amazing he's even playing this year, given that he suffered a cardiac arrest. Amazing. But come on, Bron. Bron was saying even like a month ago, he could be playing in the NBA right now. And then, and then you're upset with us when the mock drafts come out. When you were the one that put him out there in the first place. But then you say, man, just let him be. Let him be a kid. Let him be a kid. My man, were you looking in the mirror when you were doling out that advice? So another thought or two on the way out the door. You know, they say, welcome back, I'm Jim Rome. It's said that everything good is on the other side of hard. I agree with that which is why I try to avoid low-hanging fruit. I generally do not do easy because you can get easy anywhere. You don't need it from me. 
easy is lazy. But in the case of quite possibly the best basketball player who ever lived, I have to do easy. Because sometimes this dude makes it easy. And I can't really avoid talking about the guy because he's arguably the greatest basketball player who ever lived. He's also the guy that ruined the greatest movie franchise ever that I was a part of. That's a part of my legacy. It was greatness when I was involved. And then LeBron got involved and then it all went to hell. You see what I mean? Sometimes it's too easy to dunk on this dude. LeBron finds it too easy to dunk on every living human. And ironically enough, every living human finds it too easy to dunk on him. It's like the weirdest dichotomy ever. Like, that guy can dunk on every one of us, yet incredibly, we can dunk on him. It makes no sense, but it's real. And he was at it again yesterday. I'll tell you what I mean. After ESPN downgraded his son Bronny's draft status, took him out of the class of 2024 altogether, and put him in the class of 2025. Not only put him in the class of 2025, but put him in the second round. Because he's averaging five and a half points per game at USC as a freshman. Like the fact, we all know the only reason that Bronny was ever in the 2024 draft conversation, the only reason that he was ever on that ESPN draft list was because of Pops. Bronny's not saying it at all. The kids never said it. Nobody's saying it but Pops. And believe me, it's not a knock on Bronny. I want to make that so clear. Five and a half points per game as a true freshman, D1 Hooper, is fine. Even impressive, but especially considering the kids started his season by suffering a cardiac arrest in practice. It's amazing that he's even playing. I'm taking nothing away from him. I'm just pointing out that his pops, LeBron, has said over and over and over again to anybody that would listen for years that he wants to play in the NBA with Bronny. And that's kind of implied, right, that if you want LeBron, you might want to take the kid too. It would help. He's never come right out and said it, but he's never had to. So, of course, half the league is thinking about drafting the kid so they can get pops. And, of course, that's the only reason why there's 2024 draft speculation involving Bronny. Like, he doesn't start. The numbers are not that impressive. He's, like, averaging, like, five and a half, two and a half, and two for a team that's at the bottom of the conference. Like, nobody would look at him and say, he's NBA ready. Except for Pops, who said recently, he's NBA ready. He's already better than guys that are playing in this league. So then, when it came out yesterday that he was not a part of that mock draft for 2024, that ESPN moved him back to 2025 and put him in the second round, Braun lashed out and posted, quote, Can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking, no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works. Earned. Not given. And then he added, and to all the other kids out there, striving to be great, just keep your head down. Blinders on, keep grinding. These mock drafts don't matter one bit. Promise you, only the work matters. Let's talk real basketball, people. End of quote. Can y'all? Like, who's y'all? What do you mean by that? Who who are you addressing when you say, can y'all just let the kid be a kid? 
Because if by y'all you mean, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? I mean, dude, we are. That's exactly what we're doing. If by y'all you mean you, then yes. Yes. The only person responsible for blowing up all this draft hype and the draft hype bubble around Bronny is LeBron. Me? Not only has this dude told everybody for years that he wants to play with Bronny, he said recently that he could play for the Lakers, quote, right now. He said that last month. I know this because I remember thinking, how absurd is that? And now he wants to lecture all of us on letting the kid be a kid and that mock drafts mean nothing. Blinders on. Keep your head down. My guy, if mock drafts mean nothing, why are you lashing out like this and then deleting posts if they mean nothing? Why respond at all? Why are you even looking at them? If mock drafts mean nothing, how do you even know it's in a mock draft? If they mean nothing and you have your blinders on and you're just grinding, how do you know that he got left off of one? I mean, it's so hypocritical. Like I said, this dude can dunk on every human being on the planet, even at 39. Everybody. Everybody in the league, everybody outside the league, everybody. But then when he says things like that, randos like us can dunk on him. Because it makes no sense whatsoever. We didn't do this. The mock drafters didn't do this. People around the league didn't do this. Social media didn't do this. The, the kid himself didn't do this. You did this. You put him out there. You put him out there and said he could already play in the league. He could play for the Lakers right now. And then when he doesn't show up on a mock draft, you lash out about how unfair they are and how they mean nothing. That's what's known as hypocrisy, my man. That is really hypocritical. And I know you know because you deleted him. That's how you, that's how I know that you know even you were out of line. No, no. That's how I know that you know that you were out of line. You deleted them. And of course, you can't delete anything online. Especially if you're LeBron James. The second that thing's up for one second, there are screenshots. My man, you are absolutely one of the most spectacular athletes ever, period. Even at 39, we can all agree on on that. But my dude, you have some baggy moments now, and that was one of them. I know, I mean, we all defend our kids, but we didn't do that to him. Nobody did that to him except you. You put him out there. And so, just because he's not ready to play in the NBA now doesn't mean that he ultimately won't be. If you, quote, let him be a kid and let him develop accordingly, he may in fact be an NBA player. I'm not saying, hey, man, he's got nothing. He's get not far from it. But he's a freshman. He had a cardiac arrest. Let him develop. It just may take time. Get some reaction before I leave. Dear LeBron, 
Even I think you need to calm down about your son. Regards, Mel Gibson. Give me back my son! G off, of course. Hey, Rome, I was at Valhalla for the 08 Ryder Cup. We followed Anthony Kim and his WWE belt buckle while he turned Sergio Garcia into a little bitch on Sunday morning. I also recall that he had a run-in with Ian Farting Poulter. So glad this guy's back, and I'll take him in any capacity. Golf is better with Anthony Kim. Taylor and Lexington. This is what I mean. Like, he was intimidating dudes, everybody on the track. That's it for today's program. My thanks to Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network draft analyst, Raheem Morris, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, the XR4TI. Again, I'm off tomorrow and Thursday on show business for travel. I'll be back on Friday. We'll have a beef segment then. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great couple of days. See you.